The following program contains themes and images that may not be suitable for most audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok under the name Panda Pig Inc. And be sure to like this video, subscribe, and ring the bell for more videos. Hello, it's Panda. Buenos noches, it's Pig. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or buenos dias, wherever you Not are. Yet. in about an hour. For oh, us. Yeah. I mean, do you want them to know where we are? They don't know when we're recording. They also don't know when we're posting, so. Exactly. It's all a mystery. We like to keep you on your toes. How are you going to tell only people good night? You don't want people who are waking up? You don't want them to have a good morning? No. Everyone needs to go to sleep. Man, I would love that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All day, every day, mm-hmm. just I don't sleep. care what time it is. It's nighttime. Good night. It's time to sleep. Good night, y'all. It's time to sleep. Have a siesta. That's the end of this episode. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I had a great time. <laughs> I want to thank you all for coming. You know, we're beautiful. bowing right now. Get a round of applause, mm-hmm. clap and a half. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm Princess Diaries waving. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Chef's kiss. It was wonderful. It's great having y'all. Goodbye. <laughs> <sighs> okay guys welcome to episode so, 14 <laughs> episode 14 friends uh this episode i'm gonna have to pull up the freaking the creator spreadsheet <gasps> well i'm My tired computer Com- is not co- technology operating. See, you's not prepared Hello. either. Ha 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 ha. ha uh, I have ha, everything ha. else prepared. My computer is just freezing on me. Your computer doesn't like you. This is what happens when we yeah. try to be technologically savvy. Yeah, we tried to for the bonus episode last week. We tried to do a reaction to a movie, but my computer kept overheating, and we were not in the same location. So we were trying to share the movie over discord and it was just not happening, or guys. doing a watch party and it was just a hot mess nothing was working no matter so where we were it was we're just gonna bad. have to do that when we're together c c c yeah i still want to do that though i still want to watch the that movie, movie it seems reactions. interesting yeah yeah we decided to um watch a booth a booth a David Boreanaz movie, um, and uh, react to it basically. <laughs> it's not a great movie, but yet it's a movie that you wouldn't mind watching. Yes, yes, just because David Boreanaz is hot, even with his hair incredibly strange, <laughs> and when he's acting weird. Yeah. Oh my gosh, work with me here. Your technology does yes, not like so, you right now. No. So this episode is two bodies in a lab. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it lets me scroll, I can tell you who wrote it. Who, who wrote it. I know from what I do remember when I looked at it preparing for this week, 
um, two new writer-director combo that haven't written an episode thus far in the show. So basically, it sounds like a lot of these episodes is always something new. They were really experimenting. Yeah, I mean, it's the first season, you know. But who knows? Maybe there's some consistency, or they really do just keep this going. Just random writers keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry. This episode is The Man on the Fairway. My bad. <laughs> so, um, it's Tom Warmby and Steve Blackman. Cool. I feel like we've so, heard Steve Blackman before. Uh, alas, we've not. Oh, alrighty then. No, but he does, he does write, um, I think it's The Woman on Limbo, The Woman in Limbo. My computer's not scrolling. Um, come on, man. Work with me. Please don't crash on me. No, I'm hopefully not. We barely even started and you're about to crash on I me. Know. Like, what artists? What artists? Okay, so, um, oh, it's the woman in the tunnel that he assists in writing. That's cool. That is coming up. So... Anyways, let me close out of those so that my computer doesn't die on us. All right. So <laughs> after that long-winded moment of trying to find out the writers, directors, and the name of this episode, <laughs> let's give you a brief summary. So this episode is called The Man on the Fairway. The gang gets called to a crash site um, of a plane that had a bunch of Chinese diplomats on it. And the gang's job is to identify the bodies, and they end up finding a set of remains that was not on the flight manifest, as well as finding bone shards that were not from the plane crash, but were from seeming to be an altogether different incident. So... In the episode, Bones is really drawn to trying to solve what's wrong, who the bone shards belong to, while the State Department and Dr. Goodman want the team to focus on identifying the unknown victim that was on, that wasn't on the flight manifest. See. And it brings up some interesting hijinks. Also, it has a this guest star, Jesse Kane, who... Uh, believes that the bone shards are his father. So he gets himself involved in the case. They end up solving everything, and it turns out the bone shards are not the father. Dun, dun, dun. Maury Povich, you are not the father. Um, <laughs> and we also dive in a little bit of how Bones feels about the disappearance of her parents. And the differ the different reactions people have to when a loved one disappears. So it's a pretty interesting episode. What do you think? I thought so too. I remember when I originally first watched this, I was honestly pretty confused, and I was like, mm. "Yes, this this if you watch it just passingly, it is very confusing." Yes, like it's just. This is when you have to, like, zero in on. It's like Brennan's character felt different. And then it just, the, mm -hmm. the twist at the end, and then it's just like, okay, so it felt like all this kind of was just unnecessary in a way. 
Like, they just decided to be like, okay, we're going to take a far left. And it's like, as much as it was supposed to be interesting, it was not as interesting as... Yes. It was... I feel the reason it wasn't It was very underwhelming for me. I feel like the whole purpose of this episode was to be a catalyst to get the viewer comfortable with the search for Brennan's parents in the coming episodes. Yeah. To it's more like the idea seed. of like, yes, the seed of like, okay, here, mm-hmm. Brennan, you know you buried this, but how do you really feel? I feel like they had to give her a reason to start looking into it because they disappeared when she was fifteen or sixteen. And she just even hadn't though they touched on it. Yeah. In, even though they've touched on it in previous episodes, this was the episode where they're like, okay, we're going to give her a reason to start looking instead of, like, just coming to terms with it like the other episode seems like they were doing. I felt like, though, they could, as much as I, I guess it kind of makes sense, I felt like it could have been done differently because I really thought even just the story of, like, these Chinese diplomats with an escort mm-hmm. on board was already fascinating. And then this extra body. Like, I was like, okay, this is pretty dope. Yes. Like, I felt I like it was really much. cool. But Jesse, I was just not a fan of him, to be honest. Overall, I was no. I was just not a fan of his character. And I was just like, no. I did not want him to be there. I'll probably talk he's, more about it when we get yeah. into it. For me, he's in the same category as the professor. I was just about to say that I, I did like. not like him. <laughs> so Creepy. Yeah. I just, I don't know. He, I was very underwhelmed. I was like, oh. when I watch this again yeah. right now, analyzing, I'm like, I'm still just not a big fan of this episode. Nothing is as bad as the man stories. in the SUV. Nothing will ever mm-hmm. be as bad as that one because I no. that one was still one of the worst ones. I really just do not like that episode, mm-hmm. but this one is still one of those I just would not choose. This I feel like with this episode, if they would have just gone with the Chinese diplomats as its own episode, and then maybe at the end, like uh, they talk about in the investigation how they have these bone charts, but in this episode, they focus on the Chinese diplomats, and then this episode could be connected to the next episode where they just focus on the bone charts. Yeah. So you could still kind of have them connected, but honestly, they each needed their own episode. It kind of felt like in the last five minutes, everything was really rushed. Yeah. It's like they're, what is it? What is the term where you... uh something like you take more than you can chew what is the they they bit off more than they could chew. yes that's what it felt like Mm -hmm. there was just so much going on like i get it i get the ideas it's just execution could have been better in my opinion or they could have taken different approaches but overall it it Mm. was an all right episode the concepts are pretty cool started Oh, sorry. What were you saying? The concepts are just pretty cool in general yes i agree that's why i think they would be good as their own episodes yeah all right, let's yeah, get into right, it. Well, let's go. Alrighty. So, um, in the first scene, Bones and Zach arrive at the plane crash. They're on and a little they help golf cart. The bodies. Mm-hmm. They're hmm? driving on a golf cart. Yes. Yes. And the victims, they're they're charred up. They're burnt, and they're pretty much only skeletons. And the plane held. Um, like I said, Chinese diplomats, VIPs, and among the rubble, Bones finds a bone fragment that doesn't appear to be charred at all at the crash site. So, it's curious. I have a couple of thoughts. So, uh, I actually had, yeah, I did have a couple of thoughts already with the scene. 
So when you see the scene, like they're opening up, you have Bones and Zach on this go on the golf cart, right? On the golf course. Mm -hmm. And they're talking, Zach is talking about how Booth is not with them. And they're saying this is like the third case and stuff. And he talks about how Booth's ignoring him is his way of acknowledging his presence. And I'm like, Zach, Mm -hmm. you are so cute like you're adorable it's a dude thing it's a dude thing (laughs) but it's so funny because when they get to the scene brennan Mm -hmm. um gets introduced to so there's a ntsb ian he's the one who works with them and he introduces himself to brennan and brennan also introduces zach and even he ignores zach like i don't know if the editing was just done that way but he literally just straight up ignores zach i noticed that (laughs) and then that was really funny zach making his comment about them being elite i'm like i mean they ain't wrong they really are elite so well we we just continue here with zach's lack of social awareness yeah but no lack of confidence when speaking to people he doesn't know it'd be like that sometimes you know if you got that confidence in yourself just roll with it um but i i do like how in this episode the narrative kind of continues with Booth being this role model father figure in Zach's life. Like, it, like they really kind of him. connect it and play along with it in the next two seasons. That I that I like that they they keep that going. It's really sweet. I do like it a lot. Um, and then my last comment with the scene. This is just me nitpicking. It's just something I happen to notice. I don't know if you noticed it too. So while Zach is like, you know, he's going through all the rubble and stuff and he's rambling, Bones goes, what do you make of this? And this is when they show two shots. And I don't know if you caught that because Zach is rambling. He's like, are you even listening to me? And Bones Mm -hmm. is holding something, referring to it, saying, what do you make of this? But then this Mm -hmm. shot zooms out like the next shot is like a zoomed out shot and it's Bones pointing at something mm-hmm. as Zach approaches it. But then the scene cuts again and it's her holding the piece again. And I was like, Yeah, that's just all right. It was. And I was like, That's kind of funny. Also, when the, the State Department agent was like, Yeah, it was 4 a.m. last night. 4 a.m. Last in night. In the morning, you mean? Nope, last night. What you mean, last night? <laughs> 4 a.m. last night. Yes. Um, yeah, the, so they, That's the they time that we're from... recording right now. 4 a.m. last night. Didn't you know, Pig? Yeah. That's the time we record uh-huh. every every time. 4 a.m. last 11 night. 11 p.m. this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then, but yeah, so that's why I was like, I found it funny how it's like her pointing, but then she's holding something, and it leads to them saying it's the femur yes. fragment that apparently does not belong to any of the bodies there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, huh, interesting. The funny editing. But that was yeah, really they, all my... They goofed. That was my... That was a goof. It was a goof, for sure. Mm-hmm. But that was it on my... So then they so then they go back to the lab, and Dr. Goodman informs the gang, to their dismay, that identifying the body of the extra body is their top priority. But all Bones wants to do is focus on the bone fragments. Yes. Um, And in this scene... Dr. Goodman can shut it down. Like, he caught Hodgins with his mouth open, and when Hodgins tried to defy him and was like, Then get out. What if I, did, what if I say no? He's like, he shut him up, and he's like, you could leave. And then you just saw 
Hodgins' face, and I was like, I just love um, Dr. Goodman, how he can just put the, you in your place. Yes. Yes. Strong man. Yes. Strong, majestic <laughs> man. We in, we appreciate him. <laughs> yes. He's just such a good authority figure in the show. Like, he's actually believable. Like, when you see Booth's boss, he just, like, he He's just he a straight-up asshole. A That's all he is. He's just a straight-up asshole. Yeah. Like... <laughs> But he always does what Bones and Booth wants. Like, he never really tells them no. Yeah. He'll complain about it and yell. But with Dr. Goodman, like, he actually feels like somebody that... Has authority. Like, he'll put his yes. foot down and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. know that. I was just, like... I remember watching this, and I was already confused because I had to... I remember replaying this before... And I even had to replay it now because I had to remember and put my mind in the mindset. I'm like, okay, wait, what do you mean they need to focus on one body but not the other body? Which body are we talking about? Mm-hmm. And I had to realize, okay, they're talking about they should not be focusing on the extra body that is the fragmented body. And they need to be focusing mm-hmm. on the extra body that is on the plane. And to my understanding, yes. I couldn't completely understand that until I rewatched it. And I was like, okay, I get it. But yeah, when I first saw it, I thought the bone fragment was the extra person on the plane. Yes. And I was kind of confused. I was like, wait, why is this the problem? I thought this is the priority. And then I'm like, oh, it's not the priority. Okay. And then I also got confused because the next episode is called Two Bodies in the Lab. But this episode is called The Man on the Fairway, but it has two bodies. So it's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I got more confused. Yeah. Anyways. So we have the next scene. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Bones determines that the bone shards are from a murder and appear to be hacked into bits. And she's trying to urge Booth to assist her in the investigation. Um, And dude, that scene is just so (laughs) cute. Their chemistry is really glowing. Like, he's like, you missed me. Just say it. You miss me. She goes, no, I don't. I don't miss you. I did not. Mm-hmm. Like, they missed each other. Yes. It was so yes. cute. And Booth's smile. Oh, my God. Even her see? smile. She was smirking in the very beginning as she was telling him, like, oh, yeah, these are shards because he was hacked to bits. And she's smirking. And I'm like, you sound like a serial killer there, Bones. <laughs> like, honey, why Bones are you is- smiling? <laughs> Bones is very cute in this episode. She you know, is. she's like, she's a little rebellious, but she's also a little reserved and sincere and um, thoughtful. Like when you look at her face, I would say her face is usually looking thoughtful. But it's because you know? of the way she's acting. She does more stuff or feels out of character than what we've been Yes. dealing with in the previous episode so i'm just like especially when it comes to jesse which is which he comes yeah. up in and the, the only scene. the only um pass i'll give them is because he is he has a reminiscent to do in a connection over a missing parent yeah so that's how i'll give them a pass bones being emotional because of her parents because that is the reason that she's unemotional in general yeah so then it leads you know. us into the next scene where yes. they meet so, with Jesse. 
So they she meets this Jesse Kane. He shows up at the office. Um, he's a missing persons expert. Um, he wants to help identify the bone fragments because he believes that they belong to his father. And yet he knows all this information about the plane crash. He knows that it has to do with the Chinese diplomats and um, where they found the bone shards. And he's like, yep, I'm pretty sure this is my dad. And they're like, um, excuse me? Yeah, and the only thing that Booth is focusing on is because he mentions, like, the Chinese. And he's like, wait, how do you know about Mm -hmm. this? How do you know about the Chinese diplomats on the plane? Hello? And they move it to Wang Fu's, where that's where they actually discuss everything and kind of dig a little deep into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the d- the tough part about Jesse's dad's case is, like Booth said, there was no evidence of murder or foul play. Yeah. So there really wasn't much else for the cops to do. But he makes it sound like the cops completely bungled the case. But he never talks about stuff that he found that makes him believe his father was murdered. Bungled. <laughs> yeah you know he never brings up a specific fact or thing that makes him see yep this is suspicious this is what's weird this is why my dad is gone it's just my dad just disappeared one day if anything it's like he felt more suspicious to me just the way he was talking about and how he kept pushing on bones his heartstrings about how oh we relate. Mm-hmm. I know about you and your parents leaving you and how he kept like really putting that on her like yes. to relate to her. And I'm like, I don't like you. No, he's an emotional fuck boy. Yes. Like throw him away. Like, I did not like him. Throw him away. We get more. We're just anyways. But <laughs> my, my point being is that unless it was a similar situation to like last week's true the week before's true crime with Karen Campano where they didn't have the body, but they were able to prove that she was dead, even though they don't have the body because they had all of that evidence of her blood showing that she could not have survived losing that much blood. So even though there's no body and no trace of her. It totally makes sense that she was murdered. But in the dad's case, there is no evidence of him being harmed or hurt or anything else. He's just disappeared. Yeah, he's just gone. So it's like, what do you expect? Yeah, so there's nothing about it that I'm really like, oh, the cops really messed this one up. And at least he doesn't provide any evidence of that. He does a lot of talking about how he's worked so hard and how he doesn't trust the cops. But a lot less of showing it. Like, what if his dad just straight up abandoned him? I don't know. I probably would. This guy's creepy. Yeah. I mean. He's another one of those where I sh- he's supposed to be attractive. Hallmark hot? But, yeah. He's another Hallmark hot. Because he's not attractive at all. Mm-mm. No. Sorry, guys. No, and he's it's got, not our he's got that weird haircut. You know what he hair. did initially make me think of, though? He hmm. initially made me think it was Steve Irwin, and I was like, Ew, no, I love Steve what Irwin. What on earth? It's blonde. Dude, I kind of see it. Yeah. It's because he's blonde Like, they could stuff. be cousins. Yeah. But I, I love Steve Irwin, so rip Steve yeah, Irwin. that's not fair to Steve Irwin. Yeah. I love Steve Irwin, though. Yeah. Compared to we, this. We stand Steve Irwin on this podcast. There will be no Steve Irwin slander. This is facts. We appreciate that family. We love that family. <laughs> Must protect yeah. them at all costs. 
Yes. <laughs> but um, I really don't like how he pushes... Um, I agree. I don't like how he pushes Bones. He brings in his personal experience, connects with her, but like calls her out about it in a really gross way where he's like, you know how I feel. You, you're you going through the same thing. And it's like, well, like she doesn't even say she she's wanting to talk about that. Like you're emotionally manipulating her well, what gets to work this case in your favor. How the writers make it seem like this is really convincing Bones. Like she feels mm-hmm. his pain. And I'm like, Huh? You don't even know him. If anything, this would kind of tick you off. Yeah. But whatever. To me, it was just very weird. Yeah. He just comes off strong and he's like, and how does he know all of these things? How does he know about her parents disappearing? How does he know about the Chinese diplomats? He just seems like a mole. Yeah. He's just like, oh, I just know. And I'm like, I'm with Booth. Like, how do you Mm -hmm. know about this? Hello? Like, this is yeah, confidential. Yeah, like, I don't trust this guy. He seems sus. From the beginning, bro. From the beginning. Death sus. Yeah, so then we go back to the lab, and Bones reviews the fragments with, um, while Zach, Hodgins, and Angela inform her that the additional body is a young female they believe to have been on the plane to show the passengers a good time, a.k.a. an escort. Um, Bones sees that the fragments seem to be, the bone fragments on the other end, so separate body, seem to be from a middle-aged man, placing him in the field about for five years, the bones being in the field for about five years, and Bones asks, um, for their secret assistance against Dr. Goodman's wishes, so that they work on the bone fragment case more than the, um, unknown passenger and so Angela is tasked with the reconstruction and Hodgins is directed to keep Dr. Goodman from finding out. I just love how Hodgins like, um, hello, I said I was in from the beginning. Where's my important thing? And all Bones is like, yeah, mm-hmm. you just have to make sure Goodman doesn't find out. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm in. And I'm like, yes. What the heck? Yes. Yeah, so we see a little bit more of the Angela Hodgins dynamic. Oh, my as gosh. The it's people. so funny and so cute because you see their chemistry, too. But it's more like the chemistry of, like, best friends, too. Like, you have, like, that work, husband, that wife work type mm-hmm. of chemistry vibes. And Zach is their child type of vibes. It's very cute. They're planting the seeds for next season. Yes, they are. And they are succeeding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're succeeding. Yes, and it's one of those things you don't it. really catch it until you like you really do keep focusing. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So um, Bones and Jesse are having coffee at this unknown diner, Bleh. which I was like, Bleh. this diner, gross, Bleh. <laughs> yes, very gross. And so Bones explains to him that the fragments are about five years old from a middle-aged man. Um, she explains that Booth is going to help with the investigation and tells Jesse that um, Bones, that Booth warned her about him and his notoriety as uh, being a, a nuisance to law enforcement, I guess. It just feels so strange because I'm just like, hold up. How in the world? Because she did start to, she's explaining things about the case to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Bones, mm-hmm. this is so unprofessional of you. And you even just said you don't share that information. Like, why are you acting yeah. like he's part of the team? I just don't get it. This is out of it's your character. It's very unprofessional. Yes. 
Especially since the whole, like, even though the bone shards aren't necessarily connected to the plane crash, they were found at the plane crash site. So just kind of the sensitivity of the case, you shouldn't be talking about it at all. She shouldn't even be meeting with him on her own either. Mm, yeah, I don't like that either. I was like, um, hello? Who said you could do this? Yeah. And this this scene, for absolutely no reason at all, there's this sexual tension. And this guy, like, he's just so all over Bones. And, like, I get, like I said before, I get he's trying to connect with Bones on this shared experience. But they're really two completely different experiences. But tell me why. It also, as much as, like, he is feeling the vibes, it's like... She doesn't feel the vibes, but the show is and trying. She doesn't. But the show is she, trying to make it sound like that she does, though. If you notice that, yeah, like it's, it's almost confusing. like Emily Deschanel, like her acting is like showing like she is mm-hmm. genuinely not into him, but they're <laughs> trying to make her. Because if you remember later, because when they get to the office later, like I'll talk about it then. Because Angela brings up like, oh, you're gonna be, you're gonna hook up with this guy, blah blah blah, and I'm like. But where is the chemistry, yo? Bones is going to hook up with every guy that breathes. These are facts. But still, you could see, like, even Bones isn't really into it. Like, Mm-mm. she's not denying or agreeing, but I'm like, you could see, like, maybe Emily Deschanel is just not into the actor. True. But my main, my main thing is, beyond the sexual tension level, the emotional manipulation here is that with Bones' situation... Her parents clearly abandoned her and her brother. Yes. They packed up and left. And that is evident from the show. The show is like, the her parents disappeared. It's not, oh, I think my parents were murdered. You know? Yeah. So her, her trying to deal with her feelings, it's resentment to her parents, resentment towards her brother. But on his end, on Jesse's end, his father was clearly either murdered or just straight up disappeared yeah so if he truly believes he's murdered then there's not this animosity and resentment it's a clear desire to find out what happened to his dad because he feels as though his dad is a victim with bones there isn't that necessary desire to look for her parents because she was abandoned and they disappeared it's not as though she knows they were murdered and were victims. I completely agree because it's like at that point, it's like if they really wanted to come back, they would be the ones to try to find her. Like, why would she mm-hmm. have to be the one to find them? You know? Yeah. She doesn't know if they're dead. She does. Jesse is certain his father is dead. So the emotions are very different. And the way how they both like split ways from their parents is very different, too. So it's just like... Two different approaches, but they're trying to make... It's like apples and oranges, but you're trying to make them mm-hmm. be like, oh, yeah, but these are fruit, but it's still different. Yeah, it's like the difference between being, um, you know, having your your parents killed in a fire and you being put up for adoption. Yeah. You know? Apples and oranges, but you're still trying yeah, to weird. talk about how they're fruit. So... <laughs> It'd be like that. It'd be like that sometimes. Um, so, <laughs> so now we're so in the we're next scene. Lab. And Zach, Angela, and Hodgins are looking at the fragment and they see it appears to have been cut by some kind of automatic um, machine like blade, like a chainsaw. And just as they're talking about it, Dr. Goodman shows up 
and they try to throw him off track by saying that they're trying to rule out um, dismemberment as a possible part of death (laughs) from the diplomats. Dude, it was just so funny. Like how they were trying to go about it, and at, by the end of it, yes. Hodgins is just like, Zach, don't you dare freeze up on me <laughs> ever again. And then she's like, Look at that, you yes. know, we're that good at lying, you know. Yes, this episode goes further to establish the bonds of the squints, and, and the hijinks in this episode really set up future plot lines and jokes. Yes, for sure. That happen. And Zach's freezing up was adorable. And the mischievous, like, tactics they do is just. Yes, I like. Yeah, I like how they do that. They just team them up. being sneaky. Yes, like they're a bunch of kids, and Doctor Goodman is their dad. Literally, <laughs> that's exactly how it felt. <laughs> I agree. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so they they're gonna go. Bones and Booth are gonna go talk to Karen Anderson. So Karen Anderson is the widowed wife of Max Anderson. Uh, who is, I'm sorry, Max Kane, which is Jesse Kane's father. I find it fa- so, ironic how the dad's name is Max. Well, what's interesting is when if you looked at the case file later on, they show the case file for Bones' parents. It says Matt and Christine. That's funny. Instead of Max and Christine. Huh. That's a nice So match. I got very confused with Max Kane because I'm thinking Max Keenan. <laughs> You know. Yeah. That was a good catch. (laughs) So Bones and Booth go to see Karen Anderson. Um, They think of her as the main suspect in the disappearance because she has no alibi Mm -hmm. and she's still living in the same house. Um, Still has access to all the dad's accounts. And that we learned that after seven years, he's going to be declared dead. Um, And it's been five. So they go to Karen's house um, and they talk to her, and she's got a new guy. They try to eliminate her as a suspect, and they pretty much kind of do. But she ends up revealing that Max and Jesse um, separated ways shortly before Max's death slash disappearance. That Max cut off Jesse for being a party boy. And, um, and they basically didn't really have a good relationship towards the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So of course that ticks off Bones and Booth, and do you oh, did you yeah. notice on the car ride though <laughs> there, like Bones did research on psychology, like it's like she yes. was doing like behavior, like research, and I'm like okay Bones, tell me how like what is it what's the TikTok <laughs> thing like show me that you are into something without showing me or something like that yes something along mm-hmm. those lines I can't remember the term so basically it's, it's, along it's like those tell lines. me you're blank without telling me you're blank tell me you're into psychology without telling me you're into psychology so something that's interesting um when she was talking about like body language and tone it was making me think of the show lie to me same i thought the same thing i'm so bummed because um the so the show lie to me it's only two seasons three seasons long it's very short and essentially they use um this form of psychology where you're stuttering micro micro expressions and body language tone etc to see what people are thinking or whatever and it's based off some actual science somewhat it's not totally accurate but 
um, there's this YouTube channel called Observe, and this guy uses the science to analyze, like, pop culture news type things. Like, he did, he uses this form of science to analyze, like, different true crime interviews. Like, he did an interview, he, um, watched the interview for, um, John Benet Ramsey's parents yeah. to kind of discern from their body language what might be going on and some really interesting stuff. Well, what did he conclude from that? He thinks the dad did it. Interesting. When people would usually yeah. think it's the mom, but okay, I could see that considering he didn't even know his daughter's name. Yeah, he thinks that the dad did it and that everyone else was covering up and that you could see that the brother was less loved or whatever. He also does the an analysis on the interview that the brother did with Dr. Fell, which is really interesting. interesting. So it's kind of like if you like the show Lie to Me, you'll like his channel. He does a lot of like he'll he'll review like YouTube drama videos or like news stuff interviews. I feel like I should like watch that. him. <laughs> You should. I'll send it to you. It's pretty interesting. I'll send. I'll send. I'll send you. <laughs> I'll send you the John Benet Ramsey one. Because I remember, like, that's what I really liked about Lie to Me. I think that's part of the big reason why it kind of fell off is because they stopped focusing on those little details that they were originally putting in the first few episodes. But obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you can only do so much. Um, with the I honestly felt like they could do so much more with that show that they could have kept going for a while. It's probably because the concepts and the execution, how they viewed it, how they took it, so it just wasn't consistent. You know, like they eventually yeah. kind of went a different direction, basically. Yeah, they should have kept with the same one because I thought it was a really solid show. What was the main chick's name? She, I loved her too. Cal and someone the girl Jill- Jillian? Jillian, yeah. How she's like eating her chocolate pudding or something. She was always eating. Yes, I loved her. Yes, such a good show. It really Ugh. was. Anyways, if you if it's on, it's free on Amazon Prime. If you're watching it, I am on IMBD TV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on there. At least I think it was on there. I was watching it a couple months ago, so it should be. I um, watched it in a while, so I don't know. Yes. So, anyways. So now we bounce back to the lab. There's a lot of little scenes in this in this episode because there's so many different plot lines going on. This is what we mean. But they did way too much. <laughs> so Bones and um oh so uh Zach, Angela and Hodgins fill Bones in on what they found in the bone fragments. So they determined that the victim from the bone fragments, um, was frozen and then put through a wood chipper which is wild um, yeah and bones tells them that they're going to keep secretly focusing on the bone fragments behind dr goodman's back and you see how excited they were like hodgins like yes Yes. they high five like we're gonna keep doing this like rebellious bones they were so cute and then you just see angela and zach like what the heck is going on Yes, exactly, exactly. But it's like I love so, that teamwork with uh, Hodgins and Bones. I'm just like, yes, the big brains of yeah. the lab. Yes, it is perfect, perfect, and perfect, perfect. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Mm-hmm. 
Bones and Booth um, then meet with Jesse at Booth's office and confront him about the fact of him omitting his tense relationship with his father. Yeah. And Jesse... What? Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and Jesse insists that he did not kill his father and that him being cut off, like, was a good thing, that he needed to be cut off. Booth and Bones reveal how the body was killed to him, and Jesse is shocked. Bones then brings, um, this, this scene kind of, like, leads into the next scene, which leads into the next scene it's, of them just going from different rooms. This is, like, rooms. just going back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. I'm like, oh my so gosh. So I'll just, I'll just explain this whole slew of the scene, and then we'll talk about it all together, okay. because it's kind of all connected. So, she then takes Jesse to look at the bone fragments. And they kind of share this vulnerable moment about the bone fragments. And then she takes him to her office to show him her parents' file. And Jesse urges that the police don't do anything at all and that she should have gotten a private investigator. Um, and then he leans in for a kiss, but's rejected by bones. And Angela interrupts them with her schematics, comparing the skull fragment to the skull of Max Kane, revealing that it's a potential match. So let's unpack this whole Bones Jesse saga. Well, you know I got thoughts. <laughs> go ahead. Go off. <sighs> oh, I'm so annoyed with this scene. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. First of all, it's we're so, not haters, I swear. It's so <laughs> unprofessional. You literally brought him in to like to see the remains. Yes. Like Yes. What? You've never done that before. And then you bring him into your office. And then you but also But then you see what I mean. Potential potential suspect brought in with the evidence. Yes. Like, and so out of having character. the evidence discussed with him. But then you see what I mean, where what? it's like, he goes in for the kiss. She could have kissed him. She chose not to. And it wasn't because Angela interrupted. If you see, Angela comes in immediately after because she says no. And I'm like, mm -hmm. she's not into you, bro. But for some yes. reason, the show was trying to say that they're into each other. Yes. But they're not. He's into her. No. So I'm just like, what the crap? This doesn't make sense. I'm like, so I was so heated. Yeah. I was like, why? <laughs> why is this? I just, mm, just so okay. out so of here's, character. Here's my diatribe. So the way Jesse is like, and when they're in the office, he's like, I didn't kill my father. So I'd rather you guys spend your time on who did when they're like, why did you lie? Yeah. What? Like, the narcissism. Yes. I know I didn't kill him, so I wasn't going to tell you this important information that might make me a suspect because I want you guys to spend more time finding out what happened to my dad. Um, excuse me, sir? Jesus. Like, he's, bro. He's just an asshat, dude. And how did this not come up in the original investigation if Karen was the main suspect? Wouldn't she have brought up their tumultuous relationship if she was questioned I in just, the beginning? I just, it's just so out of whack, dude. I'm just so angry. Yeah. Also, I'm with Bones. If they hadn't ID'd, like, the body as Max Kane, like, I don't know. But, but anyways, Jesse 
Jesse's still gross. You okay. like Angela's a match too when she brought in the paper? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but when he leans in for the kiss, there wasn't any tension there. Like the, he had finished a sentence of them talking about her parents and then he leans in for this kiss. It just it didn't it, it like it just didn't feel like one of those moments, like even let's say I didn't like him, there just wasn't that sexual tension and chemistry for a reason for him to lean in for the kiss. So it just felt so out of nowhere and so gross, you know, like I feel like oh, I beyond, agree. beyond like him being an asshat, I feel like he's supposed to be this representation of what Bones could have done when looking for her parents. If anything, let's she not finds forget, him admirable in a way. Yes. But let's not forget, Bones' parents disappeared when she was 15. This guy's dad disappeared when he was already an adult. Okay? Yeah. Again, apples and oranges. But... But still fruit. But still fruit. You know? So he's supposed to be... This emotional catalyst for Bones to see that she could do something about finding her parents. She could try harder. She could push the envelope. She could ask for favors. But I just don't think the sexual tension part of the relationship was necessary. If you would have taken out the weird kiss, you could have just making the bond be about missing parents. And it would have made more sense. Or done a little bit more to elevate the sexual tension. Yeah. But there's just kind of this mismatch where it just doesn't fit. It does. it's, it's so forced. It feels very forced. Like, you're trying to force something that's just not there. And usually, when you can tell that a guy in an episode is going really hard <laughs> after Bones, Booth appears to be jealous. In this episode, he does Booth not appears find to him be as irritated. A whatsoever. <laughs> yes. He's irritated and suspicious of Jesse, but there's no jealousy here. It's almost as if Booth doesn't even know about any of the like her meeting up with him because he doesn't even scold yeah. her or anything. Which her doing this is extremely <laughs> unprofessional because he's technically a suspect. Yes. So it's like what the hell? I just don't yeah, I just don't understand. Where is the logic? I don't vibe with it. I do not vibe with it. That's why I'm, I wasn't really vibing with this episode. Yeah. So, Bones, Dr. Goodman, and Angela, they're looking at the victim identities on the Angelator. And just when Bones is about to reveal that she's not prioritizing the unknown victim, Zach and Hodgins interrupt and inform that the unknown victim had drugs in their system. Um... She had cocaine and alcohol, and she had stress markers on her. Sorry, uh, the hiccups. You have hiccups. She had now. stress markers on her feet, implying that she was an escort or a stripper. Um, and then Bones instructs um them that they'll use the reconstruction to against escort ads to find her identity. You like how originally they made it sound like she did foot stuff, and then Bones had to clarify <laughs> it's from stilettos. Yeah, I thought also interesting that their first thought was escort and not just in general stripper. But I guess it makes sense considering she's on a plane with diplomats. You know, it'd probably make more sense that they're hiring somebody to have sex with rather than someone just to do a lap dance. Yeah, I mean, that's how it seems like. You know. You want to pay them real good money. 
I kind of feel like it's also a little messed up of them not caring about the um, identity of the unknown victim, you know, but paying more attention to the fragments. Like, it's just kind of like, well, she's not as interesting, so we're going to work more on the fragments, let alone the fact that she might have a family or somebody who is missing her. This is why I was very confused in the beginning when they were saying they're going to focus, they need to focus more on the missing, uh, like who this uh, added addition person is instead of the fragments, because I thought Bones was upset because, you know, why are, I thought she was thinking that they had to figure out who the fragments were because she's like, well, because this is how I interpret it. I was like, okay, these fragments were purposely put there. So why spend more time on it when there mm-hmm. is this person who happened to be here on accident? Wrong. Like, just she shouldn't have who been died, on there. Right. Yes. Yeah, someone she who died on accident. There's a mystery as to her yes. being there. So and that's the why I thought dead she was. Years. I thought she was. Um, defending that saying like why do we need to focus on the fragments when this is someone who was purposely put there when this is you know that's what it seemed like so i was so confused originally when i realized oh she's focusing more on the fragments what the hell so mm. yeah yeah but i also thought yeah i thought it was also really funny when zach was super excited about looking against the escort ads yes that was really just like, funny. Was that was that too was I being too much there? Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Zach just a little bit. was just so cute in this episode. He's such a sweetie. I think he has my heart. Last episode was Hodgins focused. I think this episode is Zach focused. Like they still have mm-hmm. Hodgins and Angela, but it really feels more Zach focused. Yeah, Zach's Zach's being a cutie pie yes. in this episode. Yes. Um, and Bones catches up with Booth, um, at the lab outside the the Jeffersonian and he's got a wood chipper with him. So he reveals that only two people have had access to that wood chipper in the last seven years. And he asks Bones, you know, if she wants to conduct some experiments on it and asks her if she wants to come meet the, one of the men who operated the wood chipper with her. So, you know, they can look at it. So Zach arrives um, just as they're leaving, and Bones tells him to conduct some kind of experiment to match up the blade marks with the marks on the bones. Ta-da! <laughs> and you see how <laughs> he's still ignoring <laughs> Zach, and yes. he even and Zach smiles too. He's just like, "See, it's a guy thing," you know. Yes. And. It's he even cute. leaves Zach's fist bump hanging when he does a fist bump. <laughs> um, but True. I did find it sweet how Booth opened the door for Bones and he just waits for her to get in and then he closes it for him. I'm like, aw, true gentleman. How sweet. True, true cute. True gentleman. How sweet. Yes. Um, it's also, I also get excited because this is the start of something new lab experiments yes (laughs) this is where the first inklings of a long long list of fun lab experiments that gets them in trouble (laughs) yes um so bones and booth they arrive at ray sparks home and booth chastises 
Um, Bones chastises Booth for messing with Zack, like how he's continually ignoring him. And Booth is just kind of like, well, it works for him and it works for me. So, um, yeah. And you can see as they knock through the window, the guy sparks. He he sees them and he dips. And then Bones and Booth run around the house and they end up catching him. And Bones' throat checks him and he falls to the ground and they arrest him um, eventually, too. My thing was, is that, like, first of all, Booth ain't wrong. It is working. Like, his whole thing with Zach just ignoring him, mm-hmm. it works. It makes him happy. It makes him happy, you know? They're fine. Yeah. It makes them both happy. Um, but my other thing was, when they got to Ray Sparks' house, um, I felt like that was on them for not being as observant to not see yeah. him through the window. Because usually you're talking and you're looking um, to check the windows because you would know if they check the window usually, you know? So it just felt, again, a bit out of character or unprofessional, I guess. More unprofessional yeah. um, motions Also, here. from, like, an officer safety standpoint, they're way too close to the front door. And they're both not doing a good job of looking around at their surroundings. Like, they should really like, be aware of their surroundings. <laughs> yeah, technically, they should be standing kind of off direction of the door and one person should be kind of looking at their surroundings and the other person should have their eyes on the door and if they would have done that they probably would have caught ray sparks in the background yes um the part that i thought was funny was when after bones throat checked him and she's like i feel like i, like I want to kick him <laughs> and booth is like yeah that happens after a foot pursuit we try not to do that i was like honey save <laughs> just like just be like i feel like kicking you like i when i'm at work i'm rolling around these carts and i see these customers i'm like i just want to run them over with my carts like just be like oops. i feel that oops <laughs> I even tell my coworkers, I'm like, I feel so bad. I'm like rolling around with these carts. I'm like, I really just want to ram ram someone over right now. Oh, yeah. For sure. (laughs) For sure. Um, So so then we get... Oh, uh, my other thing, too, is like, you know how they're like, Mm. oh, they hear the crashing. They're like, he went through the back. I'm like, how do you know he went through the back? What if there's a side? What if he went through a window? Mm -hmm. You don't know. You weren't paying attention. You're all not paying attention. (laughs) Seriously. So, so now we're going to the experiment. And it's dope. Um, so Zach and Hanjins, they're surrounded by the male staff at the Jeffersonian um, out in the front courtyard. And um, they throw a frozen pig in the wood chipper because pig bones are similar to human bones. And Dr. Goodman freaking arrives just as the experiment is winding down. Busted. And gets caught in the crosshairs, gets a chunk of pig on him. Yep. Honestly, though, like, because Angela comes in, she's just like, oh, what are you, why are there a bunch of guys here? Just <laughs> and I'm like, honestly, I'd be there, too. I would love Dang. to see that. Like, why are there only dudes? Like, I would like, love what is to the see fun that. stuff. Like, what yeah. the heck? Why does the fun stuff have to be a boys club? Like, I'd be interested I'd in seeing so, that. That'd be so dope to watch. Obviously, I'd be smarter and be like, yo, I'm going to stay clear. Try to be as clear as possible from where fragments would possibly Bring go. Bring an umbrella. Yes, exactly. I mean, Angela's lucky that it didn't go into her hot dog. <laughs> I mean, same same stuff. She still tossed it, but still. It would have been <laughs> funny if her thing, if a fragment or something went in there. Been like, oops. Gross. True, true. Yeah, this scene is the genesis of a long-running gag of unorthodox experiments conducted by the squints. 
Um, they're usually like over the top, fun, and uh, get the gang in, in trouble from time to time. Totally worth it. Yeah. And then I also love the um, look on Hodgins and Dr. Goodman's face when they see each other and they, <laughs> they know they're caught. It's the busted look. <laughs> yeah. So then it moves on to the next scene where the booth is interrogating Ray Sparks. And it's just like, oh. Yes. So they figure out that he's got a connection to the golf course. He says he knows Karen Anderson. Um, that she bartends at the country club. But um, Sparks' connection to Max Kane's um, disappearance kind of ends there. Because it reveals, like, he's got an alibi because five years ago he was in a detention center. So he couldn't have done for it. For a DUI. Yeah. So he couldn't have done it. Yeah. So we were like, so. oh. Yeah. I didn't really care for it. He was just the guy. Ray Sparks was just like, ha, 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 ha. Couldn't catch me. And I'm like, all right. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, this part just feels very random. You know what, also, I don't even remember, because of how this episode just is so foggy, even for me just recently watching it, I don't even know why the plane crashed. I don't think they said, or maybe they did and I forgot. I just... I I don't even remember. They barely... I think it may have been in just the first scene. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I just remember in the first scene they were saying something about like it was trying to come down emergency land or something and it ended up hitting something or whatever and it just crashed. Huh. Something along those lines. So, But the yeah. next scene is so more we, fun. We, Yeah. We flip-flop. So many flip-flopping. I think that's the hardest part about this episode is like it's just so many little, little scenes. It's not like it's, like, moving progressively. It's just going back and forth and back and forth. Yeah, it feels slow, but yet we're moving back and forth between many, many scenes, but it feels slow. Yeah. Like, I just keep yawning, just talking it about it. It feels slow and random at the same time. Like, okay, this one is the line, the storyline, but then here's a random one, then here's the storyline, mm-hmm. then here's the And then you'll have, like, story. these small pockets of really cute, fun moments and I'm just, or interesting moments, but then yes. it's not really, like, built up or And it's just like, what is going upon? on here? Where, what is, what are we trying to go for? Yeah, so in this in this scene, Dr. Goodman doesn't play. Like, he confronts Hodgins on his defiance and basically implies that um, he's not the honest, fair man that he's perceived to be, and he can be just as vindictive and harsh. Um, this scene was beautiful. When Dr. Goodman says, um, you know, just, like, completely shuts him down and is like, look, you think I'm this nice guy? But I don't have to be that nice guy. I don't have to be nice to you. I can take, I can be petty and I can use my privileges against you and take you down. Yeah. But also like when he's talking about punishing him by like parking privileges in this, in a parking space and all these different things. I'm like, um, that's kind of like workplace harassment. Yeah. Honestly, all I was thinking is, is like, you really can't do anything because Hodgins is technically your boss. Yeah. True, true. But it was a good scene. Um, it was a good character moment for Dr. Goodman, um, kind of making him a little bit more dynamic because up until this point, Hodgins is always pushing Dr. Goodman's buttons and quite seemingly getting away with it. Like, Dr. Goodman is very, very patient with Hodgins, even though he's kind of like a ridiculous child. Yeah. But in this scene, Dr. Goodman is like, 
look, pal, you're pushing it. Yeah. And don't make me use fighting words. <laughs> That's really what it was. Because I can't. He could. And I was yeah. just like, I was here for it. And you see him smiling after, like, <laughs> I shook him up. Like, it was so yes. cute. It was super cute. But in general, I was like, how do you not know Hodgins is rich? <laughs> how do you not know he's your boss, technically? Like, he has power over you regardless, is all I kept thinking. Yeah, they really, like, brought that point up and then keep it under wraps for a while. But, dude, Dr. Goodman saying, I will take you down. That hits differently, bro. <laughs> that hits so differently. Like, yo. You're terrible. <laughs> You're terrible. S- straight to jail. I go to jail? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, that meme. <laughs> <laughs> remember all the stuff because you do this you go to jail you do this you go to jail it's from parks it's from parks and rec i think it's like the first season where they have like a representative from cuba he's like an ambassador or something and he's like talking about it yeah he's like you pay you charge too much for sweaters straight to jail i'm actually rewatching parks and rec and the first season is on peacock for free dope but then after that, you have to pay for their service. So gross. <laughs> I'm 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 watching it on the workaround, and I'm already up to season six or whatever. Dope. And man, it's such a funny show. It's so under. <laughs> I mean, it's not underrated anymore. But my coworkers and I were actually hoot. talking about they were talking about how much they love it. So I was oh like, ironic. So good. <laughs> so good. Anyways, so. We're back at Booth's office, and Bones tells Jesse that uh, Sparks is a no-go, that they don't think he's the guy. Wait, what are you talking about? Where are you at? We're at Booth's office. After he takes her down? Interesting. I thought we went to Jesse's motel room. I'm confused. Yes, it is the motel room. It is the. Is it? <laughs> no, it's no, not. Wait, no, you were right. No, I it's skipped. Not. I skipped. It's there Booth's are office. so many scenes. It's so back and forth. I'm episode. so annoyed. I'm so annoyed with this it's episode. It's like each scene is like less than a minute. Yes. Like usually when I write out my summaries, they're like maybe two pages at the most, maybe three. My summary for this episode is four pages. Yeah. No. But yeah, you're you're like, right. They were in Boots' office. It's just so. It's all the same. Uh, it's so annoying. It is. I just feel like they could have combined a lot of these scenes. But I think it's also an editing thing for the pacing of this episode. Jesse is just so unnecessary. Like they'll start you here and leave you on a cliffhanger and move on to the next. Jesse's like, stay is been unwelcome. He's overstayed. And his... a lot of the. <sighs> A lot of the conversations with Jesse are just repeat conversations. Like, they have the exact same conversation with Jesse for the whole episode. It's basically him just saying to Bones, why aren't you looking for your parents? Why <laughs> aren't you I didn't kill looking for your parents? Why aren't you looking for your parents? Yes. And then Bones standing there looking reverent. Just, like, just, just imagine I that. I know. I never thought about it. Sums up this episode. <laughs> why? Aren't you looking for your parents? And by the way, 
I didn't kill my dad. Yeah, and next, that's literally the only conversation. Then the next scene have. is, I didn't kill my dad. But by the way, why aren't you looking for your parents? And why aren't you kissing me right now? And by the Don't way, you know this is the appropriate time. And by the way, I haven't murdered my dad either. <laughs> and by the way, and by the way, you should look for your parents. <laughs> That's literally what this episode is. <laughs> this is literally what it keeps happening. So it's oh, it's so much back and forth. I can't. Oh, you know what? I don't think I didn't think I realized how irritated I was about this episode until we started talking. No, I about knew it. I was annoyed from the beginning. I well, did like, not. I knew like I was it. annoyed, but like watching it, I was like, okay, this is like. Eh, it's a meh episode now i'm like okay this is irritating the pacing was weird the writing was weird the editing was weird the storyline was weird everything was just weird yeah i feel like there's a lot of potential in this one that just did not make sense it did not age well (laughs) yeah so any hoosies they're in booth's office again telling jesse that sparks is not the guy that his alibi takes on and then booth starts to zero in on jesse as a suspect because he's got the motive that makes the most sense and bones is like shocked by booth's accusation she's like is this one of those times where you say things for the shock value i was just annoyed because i'm like bones you're favoring jesse way too much but it's weird because there's no chemistry that they're trying to push so I yeah. just don't get why you're favoring him so much. Bones was like surprised Pikachu face at the possibility. Literally, of that's what being it was. Like, ah, uh, what? What? Eh? Eh, why? Por qué? No. Yeah. <laughs> this is just like, I just it's just a weird scene. But also, Jesse was the strongest suspect. He was. And why are they in Booth's office for this? And how come? Why aren't they no in the interrogation room? Jesse's alibi. Why aren't they in the interrogation room if all of a sudden now he's the suspect? Right. And and wh- what's Jesse's alibi? This episode was so long winded. I don't even remember. Is Does it... he even have an alibi? I don't know. They're no, so it's... unprofessional. I can't. Moving on. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, they're back at the lab again. <sighs> back at the lab. Was it Angela on her computer, I believe, because they're looking at possible positions of where the wood chipper could have spat out yes. the different parts. And then they yeah. realized and the doctor- that it was determined because it was um there's a maintenance road facing the river. Yes. And they were like, Bones is like, ah, it was probably there. And they probably faced the wood chipper there to wash away the evidence in the river. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Then Dr. Goodman comes in. <laughs> yes. And he's like, and uh, he's giving like an update on. The, he wants, an, he update wants an update on the missing body, the missing person. And Hodgins walks in. And he's like, oh, I have the update. And then Dr. Goodman's like, well, since we have the update, I guess you guys can go back to looking at the bone fragments, totally nodding at the fact he knows what they've been up to this whole time. And um, they're like, oh, the busted. Only- <laughs> Yeah, the only thing I got from the scene was the fact that Hodgins called the person a geisha in the sky. He did. 
And, uh, and then <laughs> and then Bones was like, the victim was definitely Caucasian. Oh, it was just so funny. That was really funny. He goes, yeah, this is what we got for our geisha in the sky. Like, bro. And, and Bones bro. was like, no, she's, she's definitely Caucasian. Ca- she's definitely Caucasian. But what if she was? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that part was so funny to me. Ugh. But you know um, what wasn't funny to me is, again, more Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with this back and forth. All you're going to hear in this audio is me moving around in my chair, like, just, I'm just totally angry. agitated I'm just about this. And now <clears throat> we're going to Jesse's motel room. For why? Where, I don't understand. Where we have the same conversation. <laughs> the only difference is, can I have my parents file back? And by the way... Did you know that, um, you know, you're going to hear again from Jesse, I didn't kill my dad and you should look for your parents, by the way. <laughs> but also, if she handed him the case file, what was the purpose of that? At? Yeah. Was he supposed to provide insight or something? Because he definitely did not. He didn't do anything. Like, what was it he did? He just revealed like their names or something. Is that what he did? No. And no, I don't know what the hell is the purpose. So for this scene, um, it has a moment that reminds me of the previous scene where he tries to kiss her. But instead, in this one, they go in for a hug. Thank God. And to me, it's more meaningful. Like, aside from the fact that I'm falling asleep just thinking about how they have the same conversation over and over again... In this scene, the moment where they lean in for the hug feels more genuine and less creepy than when he leaned in for a kiss. And I almost feel like these moments should be swapped if they were trying to build this romantic tension or maybe misplaced romantic tension for um, sincerity, actually a connection of grief. But if they would have had him go in for the hug first and maybe hug each other for a second, having a vulnerable moment... That would have built the foundation for him maybe later on trying for a kiss. Which he still would have got rejected. Right, but at least it would have made, made more sense. sense. It wouldn't have felt out of nowhere. Yeah, either way, I still don't like him. I mean, yeah, me either. I still don't like him, but I was just kind of like... It would have made sense. Opportunity. It would have made sense. But at the end of the day, I still don't like him. Because... She kills. She still could have rejected him, which I'm totally fine with. But it would have made him feel less like a creep, unless they intended him to feel like a creep. Then mission accomplished. You know. You know what else they accomplished? <laughs> him saying the same damn thing. <laughs> Fucking yeah. So now, <laughs> after searching the crash site a bit more, um, bones at the lab. Uh, Zach finds a benign bone tumor in the mandible or, or jaw of the um, the victim. So they found like a bunch more bone fragments, put them together to piece the fragment victim. Mm-hmm. And they see that in the guy's jaw mm-hmm. that there is a brain tumor. A brain tumor. A bone tumor. <laughs> a bone tumor. <laughs> And um, Booth calls and informs that Jesse has been arrested for attacking Karen Anderson. Um, in the car, Bones and Booth discuss whether they think Jesse actually killed his father uh, when they're on the way to go to Jesse. And Bones reveals 
Um, Booth reveals his instincts is that Jesse didn't kill his father. And Bones reveals that she agrees. But the reason she agrees is because she knows that the bone fragments don't belong to Max Kane. And in, because of the of the tumor. But then you see immediately Booth is like, well, how do you know? Why would you? You're just guessing. She goes, oh, no, I know. Mm-hmm. We have evidence and he's like, oh, so you were testing me. Okay, I see you. And she goes, poking and prodding, just like you taught me. And then she, like, pinches his cheek, and he's all, like, all giddy. Yes. And I'm like, y'all are so damn cute. Why is Jesse even here? <laughs> Seriously. Jesse who? Who even art thou, Jesse? Who, who even are you, Jesse? And then we flip-flop again. Well, no, we don't flip-flop. We actually go to the police station. Yes. And they talk to Jesse. And um, Bones tells him that they figured out that the bone fragments aren't his dad. Nope. You know. And of course um, he's upset. I'm also, I'm also not necessarily sure if Booth could have made those charges go away because it was an assault. So Karen Anderson would have to be the one to drop the charges. But I think later on they say that he, like, he makes bail. You know, Yeah, he just has to thing. stay away from them. Yeah, but making bail, you would still have to have show up for another court date, you know? Yeah. Bail just means that you don't have to be incarcerated before your, um, for whatever next court date you have. But, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. I don't care It was, for like, him. just this random nothing plot line. Like, there was no purpose to him getting arrested, no consequences happened because of it. Nope. And then here, the only, and then you see, like it's literally proves our point because you go back to the lab, and then they discuss more about the fragments. And it literally, yes. as they talk more and more, I'm just like, you're literally confirming how pointless this episode was for us. Oh yes. This now I think about it, this episode had a lot of potential, and I don't like talking about an episode where I feel like I'm crapping on it, but this one. Was I was just frustrated. Was, yeah, it just felt like I just have a lot of questions on on they put this together and was like, yep, this is good. Let's do that. I got more questions than answers. Yeah. So um, at the lab, the gang discusses the fragments and um, who they may belong to. So Booth speaks to Zach directly, breaking the man code. Which ultimately they determined that while... Ray Sparks has an alibi for the murder of Max Kane. He mm-hmm. doesn't have an alibi for the bone fragment victim. Yep. As we learned earlier in the episode that Sparks inherited his really nice house from his mother. Um, and that may have been emotive for him to kill his brother. So Bones and Booth leave to talk to Sparks. And Zach tells them to look for a freezer. Like a giant freezer to hold a body. Yes. But dude, when Booth started speaking to Zach, Zach was so heartbroken. He goes, you're talking yeah, to Zach. me. And he's like, I'm he looking directly accepted. at you. So yes, I'm talking to you. I'm like, oh. But I'm, you know what else I thought? I'm like, where the heck did this come from? Where they randomly decide to have Booth just not talk to Zach be a dude thing? Because he's talked to Zach before. He's just sassy with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... But that with this episode specifically, it's like, um, yes, we're going to have mm-hmm. him just ignore him because that's going to be the funny little trope thing we're going for. 
Yeah, so we go to the crime scene, and Sparks is picked up by the cops, and Bones and Booth search his home with forensics, and they find the freezer with the bloody claw marks and a fingernail. Yikes. Um, Just basically big yikes. <laughs> got the guy. Yeah. He literally, like, <laughs> Ray Sparks' deadass took his brother and put him in the freezer alive to die in the freezer. Like, bro. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Big yikes. How could you yeah. do that to your own brother, too? Like, come on now. For a house? Seriously? Y'all can't mm-hmm. just share the damn house and then one of y'all move out? The fuck? Seriously. I just, whatever. I just, okay. Like I said, it felt very wrapped up at the last minute. It, it was very, they sped this up at the end. But it's okay because at the end, we're going to say goodbye to Jesse now. We're going to say bye-bye. With the exact same conversation. Yes. So Bones informs um, Jesse of the murder and the victim and that Jesse, you know, he's preparing to leave town. And then they discuss how they each cope with their parents' disappearance. Again. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Oh, this is the part where they go in for the hug. Yeah. Sorry. I said that was earlier. This is the part where they go in for the hug that felt more understandable yeah. than the kiss. Um. Even though their relationship is somehow coded to be romantic, but doesn't come off as romantic. I can understand. If you notice something, though, he really overstayed his welcome, kind of like with Pallant, how he overstays his welcome in the future. And he's it's only this, in one episode. This is one this episode. So you can kind of <laughs> see how Bones has a thing for having, like, this. Whether you like this character or not, they will have, like, an unnecessary character kind of just overstay would their you, welcome. Would you say that Bones likes. Sad boys. <laughs> <laughs> Sad boys that are into her. <laughs> I mean, why not be into sad boys who are into you rather than be into sad boys who aren't into well, you? Well, I mean, if they become the stalker way or become the narcissistic way, then you kind of don't want them. <sighs> True. So we end the episode at Wong Fu's. And, Which I'm so glad um, we're at Wong Fu's. We've made it to the end, guys. It's the finish line. I apologize if our commentary wasn't that great. Um, But Bones asks Booth if he can look into her parents' disappearance, and uh, Booth agrees to go back to ignoring Zach. He called Um, her temperance. (laughs) He called her temperance again. He did. It was so sweet. My favorite moment was um, when he said, your people are my people. She's like, hey. I have people. Yeah, she's like, I have It was people. so cute. And look, he ignored yes. Zach again to make him feel better. So it was very sweet. <laughs> yes. And that's it, guys. We're going to conclude that's that commentary. Episode. Thank you for yeah, coming. Yeah, like I said, I think <laughs> I think what they were trying to do was in this episode, plant the seeds for Bones to be more invested in the search for her parents. And to do that by exploring a different approach or somebody else's way of grieving and searching for their parents. You know what? To inspire her. You know what I did want to say though when it um while they when they went behind uh Dr. Goodman's back, like you know, Bones and the team of squints, mm-hmm. I was like, every workplace ever. <laughs> True. <laughs> or when you're like doing mischievous <laughs> things behind your boss's back type of thing. Doing things you yes. probably shouldn't be doing. I was like, every workplace ever. Yes. True. That's how it felt. All right, guys. That's it. The next episode, um, 
episode I like 15. Better, so we like much better. <laughs> yes, we've got a serial killer one coming up. So yes. it's going to be good. Anyways, now anyways. let's move on to our true crime segment. What you got I today? <laughs> this one is actually really interesting. So hopefully it makes up for our commentary. All right. Um, Interesting enough, it actually has um, a lot, sorry if you can hear me adjusting my chair, um, a lot of elements of the Bones episode are found in this crime, so interesting. Um, I'll be able to point them out um, at the end, because I don't want to give anything Do away. Do I have a slideshow? No. Okay. So I'm left to the not imagination. Really necessary. Okie dokie. No, I kind of like you not knowing what the people look like That's until after. Yeah, it's kind of fun. So I don't have to stare at them as you're talking. And then I'm like, gross, this is kind of weird. Unless there's like a specific crime scene photo I need to show you. Um, But anyways, let's get let's started. Let's get into okay. it. So Hella was born. Hella? In, yes. Her name is Hella. Charlotte. Yes. She was born in Charlotteland, Denmark. How do you spell it? H-E-L-L-E. Helle? Hella. Hella? Hella. Whatever. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you. She's, she's Danish, okay? So they pronounce the E with an, like an A? That is how it was Wouldn't pronounced. Wouldn't it be a Hala then? When I looked it up. That was the pronunciation. Okay. I could be wrong. We can check later. Okay. But. Okay. Her name's Hella. Hella. Okay. Hella. Hella. Mm -hmm. That's a dope name. Yes. She was born July 7th, 1947. She was born Hella Lork Nielsen. She was the only child and described as vibrant and outgoing. She joined. Um, Damn. This sounds She enjoyed school. Already. What? You. It's always the vibrant and happy ones that just get straight up murdered in the most terrible ways. I feel like she's just going to get that's, murdered. That's how I know I'm never going to be murdered because I'm not happy or vibrant. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I know I'm going to live forever. Why are you like this? <laughs> the, real, the real secret of life, to be the secret and to life is depression. Depression. <laughs> Despair. Hashtag How to not depression. get murdered by a serial killer? Be freaking depressed. Just because then you would tell him depression who, isn't cute. You would tell him to kill you anyway. Going <laughs> <laughs> to be like he's gonna kill me. I mean, I mean, if you think about like zombie apocalypses, like why are you trying so hard, bro? Just no, it just for take what? us out for what for reason? What quality of life? For what reason? You got depressed people in the movie. We'd be dead immediately. <laughs> Yeah, like if a zombie apocalypse happened, right, and it's like pretty much guaranteed. Um, why would I want to survive? Why would I want to live in that world where everything <laughs> sucks? And then, okay, let's say you kill all the zombies, then what? Then you got to repopulate the earth. Um, okay, but who's still there? Do I want to repopulate with them? Is it even worth it? Nah. Take me out in the first round. Well, well, tell me if, like, what if you get to become one of them? Like, I wouldn't mind being a zombie from Train to Busan. Like, yo. <laughs> See, I would like to be an actor pretending to be a zombie because then I could enjoy it. But if I'm just a zombie, 
just kill me. Like, just kill me. Yeah, but I'm saying if you were to become one... I wouldn't want to be the uh, one. I'd want to be no, the. No, I would want to be. A I'd be want to be a trained well. zombie. Like, then yeah. you'd be elite. You actually have some moves. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, move on. So, um, she enjoyed school, mm-hmm. and she was one of the students who actually liked attending class. So, with her her happy disposition, she made friends easily, and continued to be well liked. Um. Hella had an inborn ability to understand and learn languages quickly, so during her teen years, she learned French and English and was able to understand German, Norwegian, and Swedish. Yo, that's wild. Yes. So, could she speak uh, them too, or it was just only understand? She she understood German, Norwegian, and Swedish, but she could speak French and English. Okay. Okay. Mm Hmm. So while Hella was living in France, uh, she got a job as a flight attendant for Capital Airways. So she flew to Africa many times out of Brussels or Frankfurt. This is very fitting and for her. Yes, she enjoyed the thrill of discovering new places. So then she went to work at Pan Am. And on May 24th, 1969... <laughs> While Hella was waiting on at the motel for a flight, she met Richard Crafts, who was an Eastern Airline pilot and part-time cop. Um, in 1979, they married, and uh, they lived in New Newtown, Connecticut. So ten years later, they got married. Um, yeah. All right. So they settled down mm-hmm. and so they met, but they didn't start dating right okay. away. Okay, but they but knew each other met. for ten years, and then they got mm-hmm. married. Yep, and they have and they have three kids. Okay. Alrighty, so that is Hella Crafts. All right. Okay. So November eighteenth, nineteen eighty six, Hella returns home from a long flight from Frankfurt, West Germany, and was dropped off by a friend. The next morning, is she Richard, still a flight attendant? Uh, yeah, she's oh. a flight attendant. So she was still a flight attendant during that time. Yes. Okay. Yes. So Richard um wakes up the next morning and drops the kids off at his sister's home, but Hella's not with him. Um when Hella missed her next flight assignment, he told her coworkers that she was visiting her mother in Denmark or that she was visiting the Canary Islands with a friend or that he simply didn't know where she was. Bro, just say you don't know where she at. <laughs> Why are you going to give options? You look like a guilty-ass bastard already. Yes. So, after the fuck? 12 years of marriage... 12 years of marriage? Hella... She's probably here, here, or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. After 12 years of marriage, Hel- but prior to her disappearance, Hella had learned that Richard was having numerous affairs. Uh, in Is he older than her? Yes. Hi, how much? I forgot to write it down. <laughs> but he's just older. That he's older than her. Okay. Um, so she met with a divorce attorney and a PI, a private investigator. Mm-hmm. The PI got a photo of Richard having a full-on relationship with another flight attendant. Yo. Which crushed her. Um, and when she met with a divorce attorney, she said that Richard was never home. He lied about where he was. And she said that she was worried about Richard potentially getting violent. 
Yikes. She said that Richard sometimes hit her. Hella ended up filing for divorce and warned her loved ones that if she disappeared, it was not an accident. Oh, so they already knew to be aware of what would happen. Yeah. Okay. Basically. So when she missed her assignment and him already acting sus, they already had an idea. Mm-hmm. So the private investigator that she had hired, Keith Mayo, he called the police and filed the missing persons report on December 1st. So two weeks after she's gone missing because Richard keeps giving all of these excuses to where she is. And the PI is like, okay, look, she's gone. Files missing persons report. So the so PI is the one who uh, files yep. the missing. Okay. So it's kind yeah. of a good so- thing that he was there. <laughs> Yeah, so he gets brushed off by the police and starts to do his own investigating. So he met with friends and the divorce attorney about her disappearance, and they all suspected Richard. Um, Law enforcement seemed pretty unenthusiastic about the case due to the circumstances, but the P.I., Mayo, he looked for evidence through speaking with the nanny, and he learned that... Richard had cut pieces out of a rug in the master bedroom and he spoke um so her name was Dawn Marie Thomas and she said that she came home in the early hours She's of the, the nanny from her night off. Yeah, okay. the nanny. She said a few hours later Richard woke her up at 6 a.m. and said that Hella was driving to his sister's house and that they would meet her there later. So she thought it was weird because there was a severe thunderstorm the previous night. Mm-hmm. So why would she already be up and driving over there? Um, and uh, so he insists that she's going to the sister's house with the kids. So when Thomas, the nanny, goes to the sister's house and Hella's not there and she never shows up because... Obviously. Obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um So Richard doesn't come back to pick up the kids until 7 p.m. And the nanny further questions Richard. She's like, where's Hella? I don't understand. And he says he didn't know. And then he said she was in Denmark with her sick mother. But when the nanny gets back to the house, she finds a dark stain on the floor of the master bedroom right next to the bed. And when she asked Richard about it, he wouldn't give her an answer. And then he said he spilled kerosene on the rug and then ripped out the carpet. Kerosene? Yup. I just casually have kerosene in my bedroom and I spilled it on I mean, as you do, don't you keep it by your nightstand next to your glass of water? Isn't that what you drink every night, guys? Kerosene? Every night. You gotta have a gallon Uh, of kerosene by your bedside. A gallon of kerosene a day keeps the doctor away. For sure. (laughs) I was about to say the same thing. (laughs) Because you're dead. You in that coma, yo. Yeah. You you don't need a doctor if you're already dead. Yo. This got dark real quick. (laughs) Yeah. I need need help today. He does Um, not have very good excuses or lies. He he has guilty written all over him. No. So with the help of the local trash pickup crew... The P.I. Mayo, he figures out where the garbage dump is that their garbage was taken. So with help over the next several days, he searches through mountains of trash at the dump. It sounds almost like he really cares about her. Oh, yeah. 
he was doing all of the investigating on the divorce. Yeah, but it's like it's like he affair. really cares about her. Like he's really going because, through so much because for her. he knows the details of the relationship, mm. the potential abuse. Ah, you know, so, so he knows that she's dead. And there's no one. And helping. No one cares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very noble of him. So, yeah. So they find that portion of rug through the piles of garbage. Um. And he needed to make sure that it was the missing piece of rug. So he also had, um, and it also had the stains, which appeared to be human blood. So it was taken to the state police laboratory. And it was led by one of the country's foremost forensic scientists, Dr. C. Henry Lee. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a Forensic Files episode for this case. So he does a bit of talking about how... Um, he worked on the case. Actually, this is from the very first Forensic Files episode ever. Oh, wow. I don't think I've yeah. seen this episode anyway, so. Yeah, so food for thought. This is the case for the very first episode. That's dope. So um, so they have Richard submit to a lie detector test on December 4th, and he passes. Um, one investigator wrote in his report that Based on the polygraph examination and numerous conversations with Mr. Crafts, he does not know where his wife is. Some detectives, though, still weren't buying it and were considering the fact that, like, he's a part-time cop and a security guard, but also a pilot. And then the friends had the warning from Hello when she was going to disappear. So they're like, something's fishy here even if he passed a polygraph test. And polygraphs aren't admissible in court. I mean, it's literally just measuring your heart rate and things like that. So... If you can control yourself. (laughs) Yeah, to me, it's not a good indicator of whether or not someone is lying. Yeah, I agree. Um, It could be a good investigative tool. I still, yeah, like I think it's still necessary in general, but to rely solely on it all the time, I don't think. Like, if you're going to use it, you would need to use it in a way that the other person believes it's legit. So if the person who's taking the lie detector test believes it's legit, the, um, from observing him and by asking certain questions, you could have other stuff revealed. But it may not necessarily be what you're looking for. Yeah. You know. So I have a bit from the interview of when the police decided to actually interview him on December 11th. Okay. So they found him when he was on duty at the Southbury Police Department where he was working the night shift. Um, The Newton detectives called and asked if they could send Officer Crafts over for further questioning. So... Here's a little bit of the line of questioning, okay? Okay. Uh, Richard, did you know that your wife hired a private investigator? No. Did you know that the PI had documented your relationship with a New Jersey woman? No. Why would your wife tell her friends she was afraid for herself regarding serving you divorce papers and tell them to check on her if something happened. I cannot imagine her saying this. It is completely out of her character to say this. On November 18th, when Hella came home, when and why did she leave? Those answers are in my statement. What is your story with the bedroom rug? 
Apparently, you removed it or cut some pieces out from it. Can you explain this to me? All rugs in the house are being removed and replaced. What was spilled on the rug in your bedroom? Kerosene. Did you cut out pieces of the rug? Yes. Two feet at a time, it's easier to remove that way. Why did you do... What did you do with the rug you took out of the bedroom? Dumped bedroom rug in Newton Landfill one week ago. It was blue in color. Why would you have been telling everyone different things about Hella being missing, like her mother being sick? I didn't want to say my wife was gone, and I didn't know where she was. Hella Has Hella received any mail since she's been missing? No, she's gotten no letters since she left. She usually gets about two letters a week. That's the questions. Interesting. What are your thoughts on that? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. It's, um... He's clearly lying out his ass. Yeah. I'm like, is he a sociopath? I mean, yeah. In my opinion. Like, what the okay. fuck? Okay, so, is this a missing person or is this a murder? <laughs> um, on December 17th, the Danbury News Times published the first story on this case under the headline of Police Seek Missing Newton Woman. At this point, we consider this to be a missing persons case, Newton Police Chief Louis Marchies told reporters. But Keith Mayo told the same reporter, I don't think she disappeared on her own accord. He also challenged the Newton Police when he said, I'm concerned that they are going after this piecemeal. Pressure was building for tangible results in the case. The Newton police are being criticized on several fronts, and the state's attorney's office wanted jurisdiction to be handed over to the state police. So now it's kind of getting some more public traction. Um, but then the investigation gets another setback when Dr. Lee reports from the findings of the rug. So after four hours, quote, of backbreaking work carried out on the carpet, none of the stains tested positive for blood. Oh, wow. Mayo... Sorry. Hey, um, you have hiccups still? So... <laughs> you huh? still have hiccups? Yeah, just a little bit. They're, like, coming and going. <laughs> um, so that kind of sucks. Um, it, but it focused more attention on other parts of the case. Okay. So, Hella's friends also kept a non-stop campaign of calling the police for updates on the investigation, and as a result, the state's attorney's office decided that the investigation needed to be handled by state police investigators, so they pass on the case. So, on December 26th, um, a little over a month since she's been disappeared, while Richard was vacationing with his children in Florida, the troopers searched his home. And by looking Were at they allowed to Richard go through Crafts, his home while he's gone? They got a warrant. Oh, okay. They got a warrant. Okay. So, by looking at his credit card information, they found that he had purchased new bedding and rented a wood chipper. Yo. There was also Yo. a large freezer Yo. that was purchased, but not in the home. What? The forensics team found five minuscule stains and a six-inch blood smear on the mattress. Yikes. The blood was determined to be type O, because this is, you know, the 1980s. They can't figure out 
through DNA. Yeah. Um, by looking at the blood spray pattern, though, they saw that it hit the mattress at an angle of 10 degrees, as if someone was injured with a blunt object. Yikes. They found towels that showed to have pre previously been soaked in blood, and the private investigator found in the papers provided to him by Hella a receipt for a chainsaw. Yo! <laughs> Are you kidding a picture? Bro! Yes. He just hacked at her! So, after the search... Joseph Hine, a local man who drove the town snowplow in the winter, provided a witness statement to the police. He said that on the night of November 18th, after Hella had last been seen, he was plowing the roads during a snowstorm when he noticed a rental truck with a wood chipper attached parked close to the shore of Lake Zor. Oh my gosh. I think that's how you pronounce it. There's so many like correlations to bones right now. So many, which is why I feel like the episode could have been so much better. It really so anyways, could have. I will have a longer rant after this. Okay. So after the search, sorry, so the forensic team then searched the lake and the shore and they found among the wood chips an envelope addressed to Hella. They found over 2,000 hairs blue fibers, gray metal, bone fragments, and a painted fingernail. This is over at the lake? Yeah. Okay. A diver found pieces of a chainsaw with the serial number scratched off. Using a chemical solution, they were able to reveal the serial number and found out that it matched the warranty card for the one that was rented by Richard Kraft. He got a warranty for it? Uh-huh. He bought, he bought it on his credit card. He, he, I thought he bought it on her credit card. Uh, no, his credit card. And he got a warranty on it. Mm -hmm. Bro. So, 2,660 hairs, strands of blonde hair, not 69 slivers of human bone, My goodness. five droplets of human blood, two teeth, a truncated piece of human skull, three ounces of human tissue, a portion of a human finger, one fingernail, and one portion of a toenail. And this was, like, all in the river, or... Yeah. Beyond the river. The river and the shore. So what made him think that it would not, like, people wouldn't find it on the shore then? Like, bro. Well, I'll kind of get to that. Okay. So the probable scenario that the police kind of put together was that Hella came home, gave the nanny the night off, put the kids to bed. She then put on a blue nightshirt, thus the blue fibers, mm -hmm. looked through the mail, thus the piece of mail, mm -hmm. changed the sheets, um, they argued, her and Richard, uh, assumed that she was bludgeoned at the foot of her bed during the early morning hours. Mm -hmm. Richard hit Hella in the head. She fell by the mattress to the floor using, uh, he hit her with a police flashlight, wrapped her in the bed covers, carried her to the garage, placed her body in the freezer. He then tried to clean up the blood with towels. The nanny comes home, goes to bed in, in the morning. He takes the kids to the sister's house, returns, rents the wood chipper, and a U-Haul using his credit card. And then that night, takes the frozen body to the river at 3 a.m., dismembers it, and puts it through a wood chipper. He's insane. Yeah, that's, that's their thought process. Okay. So, before Richard could be arrested... They had to determine that Hella was dead, rather than just missing. Yeah. 
So they needed after to put a dental, it together. Yeah. So after a dental confirmation, um, the Connecticut State Medical Examiner's Office accepted this evidence and issued a death certificate for her. So on January 11th, an arrest warrant is issued for Richard Crafts. And that same night, at about 9, 9 p.m., See, I'm doing it <laughs> that night at 9 a.m. <laughs> that night at 9 p.m., a dozen Connecticut state troopers and detectives surrounded his house. His children were still inside the house asleep. They called crap. So this this scenario is so insane to me. It's It's bananas to me of how... Let me just explain it to you. Sorry. Okay. So they're going to arrest him. They call him and tell him to come outside and surrender. They don't go in. They don't knock on the door. They call him and say, um, good evening, Richard Crafts. Uh, would, we're here to arrest you. Would you please come outside and surrender yourself? Bruh. Um, Crafts says, I'm tired. Quote, this quote, I'm tired. I'll take care of it in the morning. What? <laughs> when the police insisted he surrender immediately they're Kraft's all outside already waiting for him when the police insisted he surrender immediately oh he became angry and said don't call me back <laughs> and hung up yo you do realize so they calls- outside bro you gonna tell them I'm gonna sleep now I'm tired so calls go back and forth until he agrees to come outside. He agrees to come out. Why yeah, can't they just go in? There's, they're literally surrounding the house. I don't want to say it, but I know we're thinking it. <laughs> so at 1230 a.m., Crafts told the cops over the phone, I'll be out in five minutes. A short time later, he comes out and surrenders himself to the police. I'm sorry, what now? Excuse me? The police call him to... Like, okay, don't get me wrong. I know the kids are inside. But that cannot be standard police protocol for an arrest in the middle of the night. You think it's because he was also a police officer? (sighs) But he's a part-time cop. And he threw his wife through a freaking wood chipper. probably one of their buddies. This is disgusting. Incredibly disgusting. But you know. This, the whole scenario of calls going, going back and forth. Maybe. Of a call happening in the first place. What? Why didn't you just arrest him when he was at work? Where is this happening again? If you don't want the kids involved. Where is this happening again? Connecticut. Maybe people in Connecticut are just that nice. (laughs) I don't know. But this, this, this whole scenario appalls me. That's insane. Because I feel like if it was a different country, it'd be different. But it's America. Like, bro. Not even a different country. If this was a different family, it would be different in America. That's true. Um, so... Due to extensive publicity, the trial had to be moved to a different um, district in Connecticut. Um, the trial began in nineteen eighty-eight, in May nineteen eighty-eight, and on Ju- July fifteenth, nineteen eighty-eight, a mistrial was declared after the jury became deadlocked, eleven to one, in favor of a conviction because one jury. One juror walked out on the deliberations after refusing to vote to convict. What? Um, he was then retried. Why would in he another... not convict him? 
the juror would refuse. Why? He said he would not convict the guy. He didn't believe he did it. How could you not? Who else could have done I don't it, know. bro? I don't know. It's probably a man. Yeah. Or maybe a woman. No. Those aren't the only two options. Maybe it was twins or an alien. Maybe paid? Maybe. I mean, probably not paid. Probably just some sympathetic person who, um, I don't know. But anyway, so he gets retried again due to the massive publicity, um, and the, and the retrial, and the, um, mistrial. Mm. So he gets found guilty, finally, November 21st, 1989, three years and two days after Hella was last seen alive. In January 1990, Richard Crafts was sentenced to serve 50 years in state prison. He was released from prison to a halfway house in January 2020. Yo. Um, apparently, the laws which were in effect at the time allowed a prisoner to serve significantly less time on their sentence, provided that the prisoner exhibited good behavior while incarcerated. So, his maximum release date was August 1st, 2020. So, this man's is out and about. That's... Maybe not about, but he's out. Because he's old now, huh? Yeah. At first, I thought maybe it was COVID, but he was released in January 2020. So, that was before the um, quarantine. Mm. But, yeah. So that sucks. In, in popular culture... Um, the 1989 film Wood Chipper Massacre about, uh, children killing their aunt, freezing, dismembering her, and throwing her in a wood chipper, um, has similar themes to this crime. It inspired Joel and Ethan Cohen to write the 1996 Academy Award winning film Fargo. Have you seen Fargo? I've heard of Fargo, but I never watched it. It's, it's pretty good. I'm not sure if you'll like it, though. Mm. Um, it's the pilot episode for Forensic Files that came out in 1996. Um, in 1997, new detectives outlined the events in an episode titled Body of Evidence. In 1998, the case was featured on history television series Crime Stories. And in July 2012, Investigation Discovery revisited the investigation in their Blood, Lies, and Alibis episode entitled woodchipper killer um focusing on the forensic analysis so obviously this crime is super similar to the events that happened in the bones episode you have bone fragments you have a wood chipper you got a freezer a freezer you've got a lake of a body of the fragments being found you know um towards water You've got the freezer, you know. Yeah, that's. Um, you've got family. You've got the fingernail. I'm in. I'm in. Like, <sighs> that's terrible. There are people Horrible. who are like spending more time in prison for more or less, and he got out this... because he was well good. It's disgusting. It's disgusting from the beginning because one. She told people, hey, if I go missing, my husband did it. So before the grave, she was putting it out there. The cops did diddly squat in the beginning. Yeah. It took two weeks 
for the private investigator, not even a family member, to file a missing persons report. None of the family even cared enough to do it. And then the cops weren't even interested enough until they found the scrap piece of carpet. You know what's crazy to me is also how much, like, people are making movies and documenting it, and it's, like, almost like Hollywood all over it. When it's like, this is a this is yeah. terrible. This is tragic. And then, and then, even worse upon worse, so they figure out that it's him, and then when they go to arrest the bastard... They give him a warning phone call. They keep calling. Multiple phone calls they just, to allow him to come out and surrender. They just keep calling him being like, hey, bro, we need you to come out, man. We're not leaving till like, you come out. Like, huh? Disgusting. That's wrong. Come on now. Like, disgusting. That poor woman. She well, didn't. The poor woman, her poor family, her poor kids. Did you ever get anything on, like, the kids? On anything they've commented no, or anything? No, and I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to either. Yeah, that's just like sad. Unless they're out there being like victim advocates or something, I wouldn't really want to delve into the kids because could you imagine growing up and... That's your life. That's your dad. You know, yeah. I wouldn't want to be associated with them whatsoever. I would want to forget about it. But then again, there are some people who are different and they want to, you know change the world based on their experience yeah but still that's just it just doesn't Horrendous. it just doesn't feel like there was true justice absolutely there not was, i mean she deserved more so much more the the nice thing is that they actually found her and she just didn't stay a missing person which is good you know it didn't become an unsolved case it's just you know but how they treated it like okay yes good on you that you guys did the actual search of the house good on you that you actually arrested this guy but the top of the investigation and the arrest um just totally rubs me the wrong way there was just so much more and that could have been done me. yeah yeah just and and she's not even the typical victim that gets looked over. You know, the typical victim that gets looked over is someone who is like a lower income minority, um, maybe even someone who's involved in sex work. Those are the type of people who their cases are so often bungled and overlooked. But this lady, she is the quote unquote ideal victim. She's blonde, beautiful, middle class, mother of three upstanding person and still nobody gave a crap because the husband said she was out let alone the fact that he gave three different reasons for her being gone and he was a suspect before she even went missing no one did squat for her yeah so it's really that's so disgusting. sad that's incredibly sad which makes me irritated because you can clearly see this episode was inspired a lot by the events of this crime. But you see how it wasn't there are even... too many details. There are a lot of details. So it's just... But yet, I just felt like with this as your source material... You made it a side story. You could have done so much more. Really could have done so much more. Like it was, it was still kind of their main story, but it still was a side story. They could have did more... Of a focus, kind of like what they did with the man mm -hmm. in the wall. 
But the thing for me is that, okay, they focus on it, but they never solved the murder. For... Of the of the missing dad, or whatever. Yeah. No, they didn't solve that either, yeah. You know, so, like, the, you spent... But they solved... In that episode... Well, they figured out who was the one in the wood chipper, so at least they got that. Yeah, so here's my thing. You spent... 90% of that episode focusing on the murder of Max Kane. You spent 5% of the episode on the Chinese diplomats and the missing woman, and 5% of the episode on the woodchipper murder. Yes. But 90% of the episode talking to stupid Jesse Kane about the disappearance of his father, which never gets solved in this episode. Which never, ever gets solved, ever. Yeah, because you never hear of it again. So I just feel like with this source material, it should have been its own episode, and especially with what kind of paid case more attention is that? to it. Yeah, yeah, that's sad. They really missed an opportunity. That's really sad. Yes. So, uh, that is the murder of Hella Crafts. That's so sad. Yep. Incredibly depressing. But. But freaking crazy. Come on, guys. Be better. Like, if someone's <laughs> telling you, your loved one is telling you, hey, if I go missing, you know who did it, and you don't do shit? Come on now. You don't care? Seriously. To report your loved one? Like, or how about the nanny? Like, seriously. She lived there. She saw the carpet. You think the nanny she was file a afraid? Person's report? You think the nanny was afraid too? Maybe. Maybe she didn't want to get involved. Maybe. You never know. Yeah. Ugh. But come That's on. True. Like she literally told people, like she literally laid it out like I'm in danger, you know. Something yep. could happen. Like have my back and no one had her back. To the end. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just so Till sad. The end. Horrendous. Yeah. Well, poor girl. I hope she's resting peacefully because that's sad. Rest in peace, Hella Crafts. And remember that she was a very intelligent, beautiful woman, a loving mother, and a good friend who knew how to do um, a lot of languages. Yes, who is incredibly, incredibly intelligent. And of course, as always, we will post a photo of her on our social media when we post this episode. Um, and uh, hopefully when we get back to posting our videos, we'll have much more content for you to see of of her and, and different stuff. And again, this is a Forensic Files episode if you want to watch that. Um, I will, as always, post our um, links, sources. sources in the episode description if you guys would like to do some further reading. Um, and then let us know what you guys thought about this episode, what you thought about um, the murder of Hella Crafts, its connection to the Bones episode. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts you guys have, we'd love to hear it. For sure. Talk to you guys. So. Yeah. We will be back next week with episode the 15. two bodies in the lab. <laughs> episode 15, which is um a good episode, <laughs> I must say. Yeah. So we're excited. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, guys. Catch you guys next week. 
Yep. Later. Have a wonderful evening and weekend. And morning. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Next week on The Heart and the Bones. <laughs>